When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you too long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. My book order arrived. I've been ordering a few books a month since quarantine started, and I've read most of them. I get them through online thrift bookstores, which means the books arrive in all conditions. Some are lovingly worn. Some are missing a page in the beginning. One book had the cover on upside down. This most recent order was an old storytelling book that someone had mentioned in passing. I looked on a number of different sites and finally found it with the note, Used. May or may not choose to be orderly. When it arrived, I grabbed the package, brought it inside, noting it was rattling a little. I pulled open the top and peeked inside. The book was there, but it looked like all the words had fallen out. The teller for this episode is Milbury Birch, an award-winning, internationally known performer and recording artist, as well as a monologist, playwright, and teacher of her craft. She has adapted a story by Jane Yolen. This is her telling, The Moon Ribbon. There was once a plain but good-hearted girl named Silva, whose sole possession was a ribbon her mother had left her. It was a strange ribbon, the color of moonlight, for it had been woven from the gray hairs of her mother, and her mother's mother, and her mother's mother's mother before her. Silva lived with her widowed father in a great house by the forest's edge. Once the great house had belonged to her mother, but when she died, it became Silva's father's house, to do with as he willed. And what he willed was to live simply and happily with his daughter, without thinking of the day to come. But one day, when there was little enough to live on, and only the great house to recommend him, Silva's father married again, a beautiful widow who had two beautiful daughters of her own. It was a disastrous choice, for no sooner were they wed when it was apparent that the woman was mean in spirit and meaner in tongue. She dismissed most of the servants and gave their chores over to Silva, who followed her orders without complaint, for simply living in her mother's house with her loving father seemed enough for the girl. After a bit, however, the old man died in order to have some peace, and the house passed on to the stepmother. Scarcely two days had passed, or maybe three, when the stepmother left off mourning the old man and turned on Silva, She dismissed the last of the servants without their pay. Girl, she called out, for she never used Silva's name. You will sleep in the kitchen and do the charring. And from that time on it was so. Silva swept the floor and washed and mended the family's clothing. She sewed and hoed and tended the fields. She ground the wheat and kneaded the bread, and she waited on the others as though she were a servant. But she did not complain. Yet late at night... When the stepmother and her own two daughters were asleep, Silva would weep bitterly into her pillow, which was nothing more than an old broom laid in front of the hearth. One day, when she was cleaning out an old desk, 
Silver came upon a hidden drawer she had never seen before. Trembling, she opened the drawer. It was empty, except for a silver ribbon with a label attached to it. For Silva, read the card, the moon ribbon of her mother's hair. Silva took it out and stared at it, and all that she had lost was borne in upon her. She felt the tears start in her eyes, and so as not to cry, she took the tag off and began to stroke the ribbon with her hand. It was rough and smooth at once, and shone like the rays of the moon. At that moment, her stepsisters came into the room. What is that? asked one. Is it nice? It is mine. I want it. I saw it first, cried the other. The noise brought the stepmother to them. Show it to me, she said. Obediently, Silva came over and held the ribbon out to her. But when the stepmother picked it up, it looked like no more than strands of gray hair woven together unevenly. It was prickly to the touch. Disgusting, said the stepmother, dropping it back into Silva's hand. Throw it out at once. Burn it, cried one stepsister. Bury it, cried the other. Oh, please, it was my mother's. She left it for me. Please let me keep it, begged Silva. The stepmother looked again at the gray strand. Very well, she said with a grim smile. It suits you. And she strode out of the room, her daughters behind her. Now that she had the silver ribbon, Silva thought her life would be better. But instead it became worse. As if to punish her for speaking out for the ribbon, her sisters were at her to wait on them both day and night. And whereas before she had to sleep by the hearth, she now had to sleep outside with the animals. Yet she did not complain or run away, for she was tied by her memories to her mother's house. One night when the frost was on the grass, turning each blade into a silver spear, Silva threw herself to the ground in tears, and the silver ribbon, which she had tied loosely about her hair, slipped off and lay on the ground before her. She had never seen it in the moonlight before. It glittered and shone and seemed to ripple. Silva bent over to touch it, and her tears fell upon it. Suddenly, the ribbon began to grow and change, and as it changed, the air was filled with a woman's soft voice speaking these words, Silver ribbon, silver hair, carry Silva with great care, bring my daughter home. And there at Silva's feet was a silver river that glittered and shone and rippled in the moonlight. There was neither boat nor bridge, but Silva did not care. She thought the river would wash away her sorrows, and without a single word, she threw herself in. But she did not sink. Instead, she floated like a swan, and the river bore her on, on past houses and hills, past high places and low, and strange to say, she was not wet at all. At last, she was carried around a great bend in the river and deposited gently on a grassy slope that came right down to the water's edge. Silva scrambled up onto the bank and looked about. There was a great meadow of grass so green and still it might have been painted on. At the meadow's rim, near a dark forest, sat a house that was like and yet not like the one in which Silva lived. Surely, Someone will be there who can tell me where I am and why I have been brought here, she thought. So she made her way across the meadow, and only where she stepped down did the grass move. When she moved beyond, the grass sprang back and was the same as before. And though she passed Larkspur and Meadowsweet, 
clover and rye, they did not seem like real flowers, for they had no smell at all. Am I dreaming, she wondered, or am I dead? But she did not say it out loud, for she was afraid to speak into the silence. Silva walked up to the house and hesitated at the door. She feared to knock, and yet feared equally not to. As she was deciding, the door opened of itself and she walked in. She found herself in a large, long, dark hall with a single crystal door at the end that emitted a strange glow the color of moonlight. As she walked down the hall, her shoes made no clatter on the polished wood floor, and when she reached the door, she tried to peer through into the room beyond, but the crystal panes merely gave back her own reflection twelve times. Silva reached for the doorknob and pulled sharply. The glowing crystal knob came off in her hand. She would have wept then, but anger stayed her. She beat her fist against the door and it suddenly gave way. Inside was a small room, lit only by a fireplace, and a round white globe that hung from the ceiling like a pale wan moon. Before the fireplace stood a tall woman, dressed all in white. Her silver-white hair was unbound and cascaded to her knees. Around her neck was a silver ribbon. "'Welcome, my daughter,' she said. "'Are you my mother?' asked Silva, wonderingly. "'For what little she remembered of her mother, "'she remembered no one as grand as this. "'I am, if you make me so. "'And how do I do that?' "'Give me your hand.' "'As the woman spoke, she seemed to move away, "'yet she moved not at all. "'Instead, the floor between them moved and cracked apart. "'Soon they were separated by a great chasm, "'which was so black it seemed to have no bottom. "'I cannot reach,' said Silva. "'You must try.' "'So Silva clutched the crystal knob to her breast "'and leaped, but it was too far. "'As she fell, she heard a woman's voice speaking from behind her and before her and all about her, warm with praise. Well done, my daughter. You are halfway home. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Simon's Simple Pie Shop. Simple Simon met a pie man going to the fair. Says Simple Simon to the pie man, let me taste your ware. Says the pie man to Simple Simon, show me first your penny. Says Simple Simon to the pieman, Indeed, I have not any. So Simple Simon became a pieman, savory and sweet. Now the pieman Simple Simon has all he can eat. Don't be shy. If you see Simon, you should plan to stop. You can try pie by Simple Simon at Simon's Simple Pie Shop. This episode is also brought to you by the new Magic Bean Patreon supporters, Elizabeth Fairchild, whose eye colors change with the seasons, and Joe Gouldy, who was the runner-up as the conductor for the Squirrel Night Orchestra. Also, a big thank you to Jessica, who became a winged sandal supporter and has the uncanny ability to pick out the perfect birthday gift for anyone. Jessica, Elizabeth, and Joe are also generous supporters of storytelling, which is pretty cool. A big thank you to them and all the other patrons of the podcast. All patrons from Magic Beans to Seven League Boots get a Story Story postcard four times a year. The postcards feature one of the delightful fairy tale sponsor images. Would you like to get a postcard from the podcast? If you sign up as a patron at any level, you will get one in the mail 
this June, wherever you are in the world. Become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash story story podcast or story story podcast.com. I stared at all the little words drifting around in the bag, trying to make sense of them. I wasn't sure what to do. Should I close it and shake it, or would that make more of the letters and words fall off the page? I set the book down and went to Google. But for all the keywords I typed in, book without words, words out of order, words falling out of book, Google had no answers. Oh, the travesty. How could Google fail be the humanity? But kids, let me tell you, I was born in the before times, before Google, before Facebook. Yes, even before YouTube. I came from a scrappy time of wall phones and using card catalogs to look up books in the library. Oh, the library. I could call them. I was sure a librarian had encountered this before. It took three rings before a librarian picked up. Hello, public library. Hi, um, all the words seem to have fallen out of my book. Oh, yes, is this an older book? Uh, Yes, I I just received it in the mail. Right. It sounds like it's growing a new code of words and just needs a little rest. Dump out all the old words, put the book in a quiet place for a few days. A new code of words will appear in about a week. You should be able to start reading it then. It happens all the time in the Louis L'Amour section. And what the librarian said was true. I dumped out all those loose words in the trash, and the new words are now starting to show up on the pages. It's still faint, but I can see them coming in. I thought I'd pass this tip along to you, just in case you have a few older books on your shelves. And now back to Millbury Birch, telling Jane Yolens the moon ribbon. Silva landed gently on the meadow grass, but a moment's walk from her house. In her hand, she still held the knob, shrunk now to the size of a jewel. The river shimmered once before her and was gone, and where it had been was the silver ribbon, lying limp and damp in the morning frost. The door to the house stood open. She drew a deep breath and went in. "'What is that?' cried one of the stepsisters when she saw the crystalline jewel in Silva's hand. "'I want it!' cried the other, grabbing it from her. "'I will take that!' said the stepmother, snatching it from them all. She held it up to the light and examined it. "'It will fetch a good price and repay me for my care of you.' "'Where did you get it?' she asked Silva. Silva tried to tell them of the ribbon and the river, the tall woman and the black crevasse, but they laughed at her and did not believe her. Yet they could not explain away the jewel, so they left her then and went off to the city to sell it. When they returned, it was late. They thrust Silva outside to sleep and went themselves to their comfortable beds to dream of their new riches.' Silva sat on the cold ground and thought about what had happened. She reached up and took down the ribbon from her hair. She stroked it, and it felt smooth and soft and yet hard, too. Carefully, she placed it on the ground. In the moonlight, the ribbon glittered and shone. Silva recalled the words she had heard, so she said them to herself. Silver ribbon, silver hair, Carry Silva with great care. 
bring my daughter home. Suddenly, the ribbon began to grow and change, and there at her feet was a silver highway that glittered and glistened in the moonlight. Without a moment's hesitation, Silva got up and stepped out onto the road and waited for it to bring her to the magical house. But the road did not move. Strange, she said to herself. Why does it not carry me as the river did? She stood on the road and waited a moment more, then tentatively set one foot in front of the other. As soon as she had set off on her own, the road set off too, and they moved together past fields and forests, faster and faster, till the scenery seemed to fly by and blur into a moon-bleached rainbow of yellows, grays, and black. The road took a great turning, then quite suddenly stopped, but Silva did not. She scrambled up the bank where the road ended and found herself again in the meadow. At the far rim of the grass, where the forest began, was the house she had seen before. Silva strode with purpose through the grass, and this time the meadow was filled with the song of birds, the meadowlark and the bunting and the sweet sound of the nightingale. She could smell fresh mown hay and the pungent pine. The door of the house stood wide open, so Silva went right in. The long hall was no longer dark, but filled with the strange moon glow. And when she reached the crystal door at the end and gazed at her reflection twelve times in the glass, she saw her own face set with strange gray eyes and long gray hair. She put her hand up to her mouth to stop herself from crying out, but the sound came through, and the door opened of itself. Inside was the tall woman, all in white, and the globe above her was as bright as a harvest moon. Welcome, my sister, the woman said. I have no sister, said Silva, but the two stepsisters I left at home, and you are none of those. I am if you make me so. How do I do that? Give me back my heart, which you took from me yesterday. I did not take your heart. I took nothing but a crystal jewel. The woman smiled. The jewel was my heart. But I cannot give it back. My stepmother took it from me. No one can take unless you give. I had no choice. There is always a choice. Silva would have cried then, but a sudden thought struck her. Then it must have been your choice to give me your heart. The woman smiled again, nodded gently, and held out her hand. Silva placed her hand in the woman's, and there glowed for a moment on the woman's breast a silvery jewel that melted and disappeared. And now, Silva, will you give me your heart? I have done that already, she said, and she knew it to be true. The woman reached over and touched Silva on her breast, and her heart sprang out into the woman's hand and turned into two fiery red jewels. Once given, twice gained, said the woman. She handed one of the jewels back to Silva. Only take care that you give each jewel with love. Silva felt the jewel warm and glowing in her hand, and at its touch felt such comfort as she had not in many days. She closed her eyes, and a smile came on her face, and when she opened her eyes again, she was standing on the meadow grass, not two steps from her own door. It was morning, and by her feet lay the silver ribbon, 
limp and damp from the frost. The door to her house stood open. Silva drew in her breath, picked up the ribbon, and went in. What has happened to your hair? asked one stepsister. What has happened to your eyes? asked the other. For indeed, Silva's hair and eyes had turned as silver as the moon. But the stepmother saw only the fiery jewel in Silva's hand. Give it to me, she said, pointing to the gem. At first, Silva held out her hand, but then quickly drew it back. I cannot, she said. The stepmother's eyes became hard. Girl, give it here. I will not, said Silva. The stepmother's eyes narrowed. Then you shall tell me where you got it. That I shall, and gladly, said Silva. She told them of the silver ribbon and the silver road, of the house with the crystal door, but strange to say, she left out the woman and her words. The stepmother closed her eyes and thought. At last she said, Let me see this wondrous silver ribbon, that I may believe what you say. Silva handed her the ribbon, but she was not fooled by her stepmother's tone. The moment the silver ribbon lay prickly and limp in the stepmother's hands, she looked at Silva, her face broken into a wolfish grin. Fool, she said, the magic is herein. With this ribbon, there are jewels for the taking. She marched out of the door, and the stepsisters hurried behind her. Silva walked after them, but slowly, stopping in the open door. The stepmother flung the ribbon down. In the early morning sun, it glowed as if with a cold flame. Say the words, girl, the stepmother commanded. From the doorway, Silva whispered, Silver ribbon, silver hair, lead the ladies with great care, lead them to their home. The silver ribbon wriggled and writhed in the sunlight, and as they watched it, it turned into a silver red stair that went down into the ground. Wait, called Silva, do not go, but it was too late. With a great shout, the stepmother gathered up her skirts and ran down the steps, her daughters fast behind her. And before Silva could move, the ground had closed up after them, and the meadow was as before. On the grass lay the silver ribbon, limp and dull. Silva went over and picked it up. As she did so, the jewel melted in her hand, and she felt a burning in her breast. She put her hand up to it, and she felt her heart beating strongly beneath. Silva smiled, put the silver ribbon in her pocket, and went back into her house. After a time, Silva's hair returned to its own color, except for seven silver strands, but her eyes never changed back. And when she was married and had a child of her own, Silva plucked the silver strands from her own hair and wove them into the silver ribbon, which she kept in a wooden box. When Silva's child was old enough to understand, the box with the ribbon was put into her safekeeping, and she has kept them for her own daughter to this very day. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Milbury Birch at kindcrone.com and tell her you heard her on the podcast and now want to hear her tell more stories. We are in strange times for performing artists, but art is needed now more than ever. So many storytellers are doing online events, so you, you can see and hear some of them from your home. 
These may be different times, but the opportunities to connect with the magic of live storytelling are abundant. Go find your favorite tellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know? You can connect with the podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or me at Rachel and Harding. You can see the fairy tale sponsor ads on the Story Story Podcast Instagram and Facebook page. While you're there, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was Simple Simon. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was um, all of the books that I've been ordering since the beginning of the pandemic. And despite what I said, I still have quite a few that I haven't read. I just can't help but buy them. The music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.